And we are live. Welcome to Staking Mondays. My name is Ken, and I'm here with the co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel, and we are delighted to welcome today's guest, Sonny Agarwal, a big advocate of Cosmos and the co-founder of Osmosis, the leading AMM for the Cosmos ecosystem. Osmosis Zone is a open-source DeFi platform based on the inter-blockchain communication technology developed for the Cosmos network. Osmosis users can add their tokens to liquidity pools and exchange them on a decentralized exchange. Osmosis IBC technology enables cross-chain transactions. In other words, IBC allows assets to be transferred from one Cosmos blockchain to another. So let's jump right into it today. Please, Sonny, if you could answer the following questions in a very short lightning round format. Uh, we'll start you mm -hmm. off here, Sonny. Uh, so what was your oh. first crypto investment outside of BTC in Ethereum? Um. I think it may have been Doge, if I remember correctly. That's a great one. Um, and which person inspired you the most during your crypto journey? Um, probably Vitalik. I think that, like, you know, it, you know, I think he's just done like so much cool stuff and just like you know his entire ethos and vibe and yeah. And what was the most inspiring AMM outside of Osmosis? Mm, that's interesting. Um, I would say, I mean, probably Balancer because it kind of like uh, a lot of the Osmosis uh, design was inspired by what was sort of a re-implementation of the Balancer protocol. I think as we go on, we're starting to realize that, you know, there we, we might have to backtrack from some of the design decisions that Balancer made if we want to explore other routes. Um, but I think that like, you know, Balancer really just was the first to show that like that pop open like hey look how big the design space of AMMs is. Really cool, yeah. And how do you stay up to date with crypto and uh, crypto news and markets? Do you have a favorite newsletter or podcast or anything? Uh, Twitter, <laughs> crypto Twitter, I guess is probably the best way of keeping up with everything. Um, do you have a favorite podcast? I mean, I guess I would have to uh, show my own podcast at the center. Uh, so, you know, we, we do uh, weekly episodes with like guests and stuff. And that, that's sort of my way. Of, I do it mostly because it's my way of like keeping up with everything going on in crypto instead of like, you know, otherwise I'd be so focused in on like Cosmos and Osmosis stuff. But like with Epicenter every other week, I get to learn about NFTs or, you know, what's going on in gaming or what's going on on this other proof of stake chain or something like that. So that's always nice. And speaking of keeping up with the ecosystem, uh, when was the last time you, you checked your crypto portfolio? Um, about two minutes ago when you informed me that Osmo was at its all-time highs. Uh, but I guess before that was right at the end of the year when I was you know, doing some tax you know, calculation stuff. All right, cool. And which destination are you planning to travel to next? Um, I actually just got to uh, Puerto Rico today, uh, just visiting some friends uh, here. So I guess um, after this, uh, I'll, I'll probably be heading to Berkeley uh, because, block, you know, what, one of the things we're trying to do is uh, historically, there's been this really strong Berkeley to Cosmos pipeline because, you know, the, Ber the original Cosmos office used to actually be uh, in Berkeley. Um, and so, you know, we poach students from, from, from the university into the Cosmos ecosystem. And so a lot of like the big projects in Cosmos is a lot of like Berkeley people all over the place. And, you know, me and one of our co-founders, uh, we met at Berkeley. And so just trying to restart that pipeline a bit. 
That's amazing. And do you have a New Year's resolution? Any uh, plans for 2020? Um, I think it's to be better at staying on top of my messages and like not procrastinating on those just because, you know, the number of platforms on uh, we get messages on is just like growing like crazy and my telegram and email and signal and everything. But it's like, all right, my, my goal is like, you know, don't leave any message hanging for more than like two days. Very cool. Well, thanks for the lightning round questions there, Sonny. Let's get into some more general in-depth questions. And just to remind the audience, if you're watching and you have a question for Sonny, please ask it in the comment section. We'll be sure to address your questions at the end. Um, so now, Sonny, so superfluid staking will allow Osmo holders to stake and provide liquidity at the same time. Why are you building this as a native feature and not just build an Osmo staking derivative and whitelist that as collateral for the AMM? Hmm. Yeah, so I think that, um, so, you know, I've been working on staking derivatives for a long time. Like, you know, I've come up with a lot of designs for them. Um, I do think that staking derivatives, while possible, I think actually do serve like a pretty systemic risk to like proof of stake systems. You know, proof of stake systems have these unbonding periods and all this kind of stuff, like for a reason. They're designed to like provide certain, you know, security guarantees and uh, around like, long range attacks. Um, and th these are, you know, they seem often a little bit theoretical for most cases, but once you bring in IBC, which is like this like light client system, it actually, the, the uh, attack surface becomes a lot more tangible where, you know, uh, light client style attacks can actually steal money. Um, and so that's why you have, and that's why, you know, staking derivatives by making these staked assets liquid, it kind of undoes the whole you know, security guarantees that proof of stake aims to give. And so superfluid staking was sort of this way that we came up with was like, hey, can we, how can we still give like 90% of the benefits of um, something like staking derivatives while preserving the uh, security guarantees that you get from proof of stake? And on top of that, I think just by having it be this like more native thing where it's like, hey, here's my Osmo that is staked and LP'd by this in protocol superfluid thing. I think you end up not splitting your liquidity like you would in like staking derivatives where like, okay, you don't have to have like a separate, you know, Lido Osmo pool versus Osmo pool. And, you know, people just don't treat the Lido Osmo as the same as like the, the, the native Osmo. So I think there's a little bit of a, um, you know, mimetic like benefit to like the native assets as well. Does the uh, superfluid staking introduce any other systemic risks potentially to the to the system? Yeah, for sure. You know, it definitely adds a lot of um, new like. So when you when when Osmosis Governance chooses, it has to choose which pools are allowed to be superfluid staked with because you don't want a situa situation where so you know maybe I, would would it be helpful if I give a little bit of a summary of superfluid staking? Yeah, that would um, be great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. So what superfluid staking is, was this idea that um, like, hey, we have all this Osmos sitting in uh, liquidity pools on Osmosis. And, you know, when you, when you LP, you get back these LP shares. And these LP shares still have economic value. And more importantly, they have Osmo value underneath them that and they are at any time redeemable for a certain amount of Osmo. So if we stake 
what if we allowed the chain to allow people, users to stake their LP shares themselves? And at, you know, the chain can constantly be recalculating that saying like, hey, these staked LP shares are actually worth this much Osmo. And as like there's, uh, you know, trading on the pool, the amount of Osmo that's backing the LP shares is going up and down. Uh, the chain will automatically like re revalue those LP shares on some, uh, you know, maybe every five minutes, maybe every hour that's still uh, to be decided. Now, governance has to be careful to choose which pools can be super fluid state because you don't want to have it such that Osmo, Osmo paired with shitcoin can be uh, super fluid stake because if this like is if this shitcoin is or, you know let's say like a, like you know a fake coin that like sunny coin that I can mint infinite of then what I could do is I could just mint infinite of that token and sell it all against the pool and basically make it so that the Osmo in the pool goes to near zero but there's 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 always going to be this like lag before the uh, chain recognizes that. And, and more importantly, you know, you have to, it actually does have to like deal with the unbonding period of two weeks. And so, um, yeah, you basically have, you know, governance has to be sure to make sure only like tokens that legitimate tokens can be super fluid staked against Osmo. How do you define which tokens are legitimate and which are not? Like where, where's the, where's the bar there? Um, it'll be up to governance. And I think like, governance would vote it in. And I think like the bar would basically be like making sure that it's not something whose value would go to zero within a, it cannot foreseeable, will not foreseeably go to zero within a two week period. Okay. Um, and, and talking some about interchain staking as another concept, which allows someone to stake tokens across chains. Uh, can you explain that briefly and how will it interconnect with super fluid staking yeah sure so interchain staking is a a concept of like how do you do staking across multiple chains and in that there's different types of uh interchain staking so the one that we're kind of focused on is called interfluid staking and what that is is so let's say you know we talked about like okay you had these two tokens in a pool we have osmo and let's say um akt uh, from from the Akash network, and when you pair when you when you superfluid stake that LP share, our chain only cares about the Osmo portion of it. Um, but what about all this AKT that's here, right? This AKT also has economic value. Interfluid staking is a model for basically the Osmosis chain to let the Akash network chain know that like, hey, you guys actually have a bunch of AKT uh, basically superfluid staked on our chain. Would you like it to also count for staking reward, you know, as staked assets for your chain? And if the, you know, if that validator that they're delegated to on that chain does anything malicious, you know, just let us know over IBC and we'll slash them over here. So what it is is it's, so, it's essentially superfluid staking as a service, where uh, as Osmosis builds up liquidity for more of these assets. It can also basically allow these assets, these other chains to still uh, tap into that liquidity to help provide security for their own chains. Great. And uh, why are you currently the only one working on something like super fluid staking? 
is osmosis with its native AMM the only protocol in need of such a solution? Or are there other applications out there that made uh, adopt such a solution like this themselves? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think the idea of superfluid staking, like, you know, you know, you can see like idea, like glimmers of it in things like, you know, sushi, ha you know, with, I remember with their, uh, it's not for staking, but it was for governance where you could have like, you can either vote using sushi or you can vote using sushi power, just like in the original sushi governance system where like, you know, you can either have LP sushi be used for governance or, you know, normal sushi be used for governance. And so I guess this is kind of taking that concept and applying it to, um, the chain staking system itself. And I guess um, the reason that it works on osmosis and not somewhere else is that, uh, you know, you, you kind of need to have an application specific blockchain to make this work. Because you, know, you can take something like, you know, a general chain like Ethereum or Solana or something. You know, the reason superfluid staking works is that our staking system understands the DeFi application that's built on top of it. It understands that, hey, this LP share is, has economic value and this is how I calculate that economic value. Something like Ethereum being this like neutral layer one does not, you know, the Ethereum blockchain does not understand Uniswap, right? Uniswap can understand semantics about the Ethereum blockchain, but it doesn't go the other way around. But because Osmosis is this like application specific chain, that's what allows this whole system to work. And I imagine that superfluid staking style systems can work for other use cases as well in application specific chains. So you can imagine something like, I don't know, like a lending protocol chain, for example, you can imagine that that, that could also do superfluid staking with the collateral that's uh, in the system. And so yeah, I can imagine other application specific blockchains, which I, I guess, you know, my big bet for 2022 is I think we're going to see a huge explosion in like app chains. And so I imagine this like super fluid staking concept will become more popular across them. Yeah, that's, that's very exciting. And I think um, there will probably become more use cases. Um, and like, is there anything in particular you would see um, to use like stake tokens for and like proof stake? blockchains besides like security guarantee and like liquidity or like collateral and lending platforms and so on? Is there like any, any other functions that you think like these stake tokens could be used for? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think that using them as like some sort of spam resistance kind of stuff as well could be interesting. So, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I, a lot of people really like about Osmosis right now is we have like zero fee transactions, um, which is admittedly very, you know, it, 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 it's a temporary thing, right? Because as soon as our chain starts to get spammed or clogged, it will, those fees will have to go up. But I think, you know, I, I want to see if there's a way of keeping uh, zero fee transactions alive somehow um, in some form. And, you know, I think if you look at like the history, I think the closest chain that has done something that, you know, almost like that was probably EOS. Um, not the EOS. I, I like to say the EOS of the white paper was very different than the EOS that was delivered. The EOS that was delivered was like, uh, you know, let's ignore that. But like in the white paper, they had this interesting idea about like, hey, 
if you have a certain amount of stake, you get this much rights to like use this much of block space without paying fees. And like they have this whole like model that like developers will stake and earn like you get block space and give it to their users. Um, I wonder if there's a way of like incorporating an idea like that back into osmosis where it's like, where how, can we let stake uh, Osmo holders like uh, make fee, like make transactions with no fees. Um, you know, this is still something that's, you know, in, you know, very much just in the thought process phase, but like, I think there is some, something there that we can, you know, give more basically capabilities uh, and rights to people, to like users that have st who are staked. Like another example as well, could just be something as simple as like, you know, uh, if you go on centralized exchanges, off, you know, they'll give like fee rebates based off of like how much BNB you have in on in your account, for example, right? We can imagine something similar could happen as well, where like you get fee rebates based off of how much Osmo you have staked or something like that. Pretty cool, yeah. Um, and then, so earlier you mentioned that superfluid staking works on Osmosis because it's an application specific blockchain or like you, you have this AMM and there's like only this application. Um, Nowadays, it seems like Osmosis is kind of becoming like the, the 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 real hub of the Cosmos ecosystem because like everyone is using the AMM and uh, it's kind of the the figurehead of IBC. Um, mm -hmm. And it seems like Osmo is that kind of thing what like Atom is always tried to be maybe. Um, do, do you think Osmosis can be more than just like an application specific blockchain and more become something like like a real, like the Cosmos hub, for example? So I think the term hub has always been a little bit vague and misunderstood of what it means. So I actually don't think of the point of the Cosmos, I, I don't think of the point of the Cosmos hub was to be this like relayer chain between all these, uh, you, you know, and like sit, but be the IBC hub. I think that, I think that actually how IBC evolves is that you have every chain does connect to every other chain in these like more point-to-point -point, uh connections i think that what the cosmos hub it's what it means for it to be a hub is that it is this very high market cap chain that will be able to lease out its security to other chains so uh you know so we talked i mentioned earlier that there's like different types of interchain staking interfluid is like the one that we're focused on which is saying hey other chain you have your token on our chain use that i think that the cosmos hub really will be focused on like shared security which is saying that hey i have a new chain i want to launch a new chain but i don't want to like you know i i think eventually the the process of launching a new chain has to become as easy as deploying a smart contract and today you know just being able to find validators and spit and spin them up and like i think that's quite a bit of a hurdle and i think that we'll get to the point where it should just be like a one-click button that like uh, the Cosmos Hub validators will start running your chain for you and your chain will be secured by atoms themselves. And so that's sort of what I see uh, the role of the Cosmos Hub uh, going towards. And so I think that, you know, these, the use case of what we're trying to do with Osmosis is really quite different than where I see the Cosmos Hub going. So you, you think the Cosmos Hub, this sounds more like the, the Polkadot model kind of, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, I think that it is, you know, I think that, yeah, 
I think that the Cosmos Hub needs to provide this sort of shared security system similar to Polkadot. The difference is that here, it's a lot more opt-in, where the Polkadot system is really designed in such a way, like, yes, you can go use Substrate to go launch your own chain, but it's really designed for you being a, uh, a paired chain of their uh, relay chain. But I think in Cosmos, we kind of have go from the other direction where like sovereign first, and then, you know, here's an option if you want, if you don't want to go, if you, you know, there's everything's about trade-offs, right? Do you want more sovereignty or do you want more uh, ease of launching? And I think giving people both those options. And I think one, one thing that will often happen is chains might like start off by being a, uh, a shared security chain. And then they will eventually, once they grow big enough, might break off into a, a new sovereign chain. And I think that is like a, a, a flow that we actually want to encourage. Yeah, and, and great explanation of the differences there between Cosmos Hub and what Polkadot is doing with Substrate and the uh, parachain model as well. Um, so next question, a little bit about the competition here. So what are the main differences between the Osmosis Dex and the Gravity Dex? Yeah, so the uh, Gravity Dex is this uh, Dex that was built onto the Cosmos Hub itself. Um, and so they both actually launched at roughly the same time in like last June. Um, basically, you know, the gravity depths, um, okay, so what are the differences? So one is osmosis. Uh, our uh, AMM design was much more, as I mentioned, inspired by balancer, um, while the gravity decks use something that, they, they actually invented this new AMM model called the ESPM model that uses like batched execution. Um, personally, I find that there's actually some flaws with that design, uh, which, you know, but I, I really, I think a lot of it just came down to, you know, so the Gravity Deck still is running right now, but it hasn't gotten too much traction uh, yet. And I think a lot of it just comes down to like um, the ability for Osmosis to just move faster. We had a new chain that was able to like provide a lot of incentives to like early liquidity providers uh, that allowed it to build up liquidity. And um, also just like, you know, the ability for Osmosis, Osmosis has this like, three-day voting periods and that that allows us to like iterate on like you know incentives and features and like upgrades much faster so you know we've uh we have a goal in osmosis that we should do at least one chain upgrade every two months uh so that way we can just be constantly rolling out and shipping new features which is just like you know it, we're just operating on a sort of a different time scale than like uh the release cycles of the cosmos hub and so that just sort of allowed the two you know, that, that, that's what sort of uh, sort of allowed osmosis to like sort of take off now. I think what, what's happening right now is the gravity decks is actually thinking of the, the team behind the gravity decks is actually thinking of moving it off of the Cosmos Hub and onto its own chain. And so that maybe can, you know, inject some life into it and, you know, allow it to compete in a, in a more effectively. Awesome. And can you walk us a bit through like the, the best case scenario for Osmosis and, and Osmo token as well? Like how how would you get there and how does the world look like in which Osmosis is like extremely successful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our goal is to, you know, our, our view is that to create the best decentralized exchange, you we need to provide a lot of the same functionalities and UX of a centralized exchange. And I think that, you know, centralized exchanges 
um, they, you know, trading infrastructures are just one piece of what centralized exchanges do, right? Centralized exchanges are really this like suite of products that are all packaged together into one system, right? So what, what do centralized exchanges do? They um, provide, you know, obviously they provide like spot trading infrastructure, but then they also provide like margin and perks. They also are often like information services for people. They're also people's fiat on ramps or people's custodians. Um, they all, th there's this like large suite of products and that, that, that are all tied together in this like single UX. And I think that like, and you know, you, things like FTX are even starting to get into like NFTs for example, right? Like I, I think you need to provide this like sort of super app that becomes, or, or another one would be, you know, centralized exchanges often are people staking uh, platform where like they stake on different chains. And that's sort of what we're trying to do with interfluid staking is like, hey, via the osmosis deck, you can actually stake on other chains as well. And so like, I think um, that's kind of where we're going, where we're trying to figure out, okay, what are these like different UX? Obviously like a decentralized exchange can't provide custody in the same way that a centralized exchange can. So that's why we, we're looking at like all the different things that centralized exchanges do and figuring out how do we, how can a decentralized exchange offer something comparable to, to those like uh, feature sets. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we're really focused on right now is especially, one is on the margin systems. So I think that like, um, I think that any good trading platform, the trading engine, a lending system and a margin system have to be like intertwined into one unified protocol. I think that's sort of what makes um, FTX's like trading platform so like so uh, good. And I think that like um, being able to do that to offer something similar is important. Um, and then obviously just working a lot on the UX as well. So like, you know, we have this goal that like cross chain UX should be as easy and as similar to like single chain UX as possible. And so I think a lot of, we're going to see that happen a lot more this year, but you know, there's a lot of work to be done there. Yeah. It seems like decentralized exchanges have come a super long way from even just a year or two ago. So um, knocking off all these features and centralized exchanges will naturally come next. So a fun question here. I know you're very much a Cosmos bull. Uh, will Cosmos ecosystem absorb the rest of crypto and potentially Bitcoin? functionality, utilities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on what, 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 what does the Cosmos ecosystem mean, right? To me, I always thought that Cosmos was this idea of a network of interconnected blockchains. And, you know, obviously today that sounds like obvious, um, but like, you know, if you go back like four years ago when this like, idea first came about, it was actually this like very radical idea that like, at the time, everyone was like, no, hey, what are you talking about? This Ethereum chain is just going to have all the applications built on top of it. And we were just like, no, that doesn't really seem to make sense for us. And I think that, like, you know, what we're seeing today with this like, explosion of new chains and, like, you know, all these uh, interconnectivity between them, I think is a step towards, like, what, um, how we see that, like, you know, this is the Cosmos vision playing out. Um, I think sort of the two... Two big questions I think that are, you know, from our original thesis that have yet to be seen are one, are these interoperability protocols going to standardize? 
So currently, we oftentimes we see between different chains, we have all these like very bespoke bridges. Um, what and we kind of created this like single protocol called IBC, uh, interblockchain communication, and that's what it is. Is it's not really a, a implementation. What it is is it, it's a protocol. It's a series of specs that like anyone can implement, and it you know. I know this terminology, you know, this uh, analogy is maybe overused, but you know, it's really like supposed to be like this, like TCP/IP stack, where um, hey, it's like TCP/IP is not an implementation; it's rather a spec, and then it's implemented in different OSs that can allow them to talk to each other. And so, um, I think that's what you know we have we have an implementation for this in the Cosmos SDK already, but you know, there's people building them in Substrate right now, in Celo, in all, all these like different uh, protocols. And then you also see things like um, the, you know, the layer, layer zero, which is this like bridge protocol, but they're actually using the IBC uh, spec semantics uh, in their uh, own bridge protocol. So I think that's sort of another thing that we'll see is like, hey, will these standardized uh, protocols become more widely adopted? Um, and then the other question, a uh, big question to see what, what, what will play out is, um, I call this the multi-chain versus the interchain vision. And what that means is multi-chain is, is like, you know, or one thing we're seeing right now primarily is explosion of a lot of L1s that they're like, okay, here's an EVM compatible L1. And then, you know, you go get sushi to go redeploy on all these different chains. And I call this like the multi-chain approach where it's like, okay, they're sort of all like non-differentiated uh, EVMs that each just have their own little farms and stuff going on. The interchain vision was is more one of application specific chains where I think that eventually that the the L1s actually become commoditized and the you know value is really in the application layer because those are what the users interface with. And so I think what's eventually going to happen is the applications are going to decide like hey you know what, I'm going to just go spin up what, let me go build my own L1, right? I think that like, you know, for example, Compound has this mentality where they're like, you know, we're not going to redeploy on, they, they haven't redeployed on any chain other than mainnet Ethereum because their take is no, we're going to go build Compound chain and have that be like the place where, you know, connected everywhere else. And that's sort of like, you know, what things like Osmosis and ThorChain and Terra have really like set the, um, set the groundwork for of building these like application specific blockchains. Are you uh, familiar with the FAT protocol thesis? And like, do, do you think, or like, what, what do you think about it? Um, which basically says like that the, the general value accrual in, in for blockchains will be on the um, like protocol level, not on the application level, opposed to like mm -hmm. in, in web two, where it's like primarily on the application level and not on the protocol level. Yeah, I yeah, I, I mean, I think it, I tweeted a couple weeks ago. I was saying Cosmos is a rejection of the fact protocol thesis. Uh, I think that I, I I actually just don't think that's right. I think that L ones do generalized L ones become commoditized, um, and I think the closer you are to the users, that's where uh, value accrues. And, and you know. The, What's interesting is like uh, the, the the take the part of the whole bet that we made with Osmosis is was this bet around vertical integration, 
where I think that like a fully vertically integrated system will be able to like, you know, iterate faster or not faster, but like iterate, do more interesting things. So osmosis, like we, we other DEXs, for example, they can control the application layer. We control the application layer. We have our own front end, but we also control the blockchain itself. Um, and, you know, our team also actually maintains the Kepler wallet, which is the, you know, main wallet used in the Cosmos ecosystem. So having this entire stack all the way up from the wallet, all the way down to the blockchain itself, I think that allows us to ship new things very quickly. Uh, for example, you know, one of the things that Osmosis started off with was a lot of focus on privacy uh, related stuff. So like, you know, especially on front running resistance. And I think to like make that work, there's actually changes you need to do down at like the blockchain layer, we have to add new cryptography and things like that. But then also, you know, we have to make sure our wallets know how to generate this new transaction type. And so like by having this entire stack, we are able to like ship these kinds of features. And I think that, you know, that's sort of gonna be one of the main draws towards these application specific chains where like you uh, chains are gonna, if they want to provide like levels of like customizability that they can't do today, they'll, they'll, they'll want to go onto their own chain to do that. So, you know, a maker chain, for example, right? Wouldn't it be nice if they can have a like, you know, the maker DAO existed on a chain where all the transaction fees were able to be paid and die instead of eat. I think that would be like, I remember like one of the first times I tried to show uh, one of my friends who was like not crypto, uh, like, uh, I, I sent him some dye just to show him like, hey, look how simple and easy this was. And then he got it. And then he's like, wait, I can't send this. And I'm like, oh, shit, I just realized you don't have any ETH for transaction fees. And like, this is like a terrible UX right now. And so I think like, you know, by having your own chain, these applications will be able to custom tailor their uh, UXs that to like best serve their users. Really cool, and I yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great point. Why the uh, UI and UX on Osmosis is also very very uh, smooth, really. Um, like, what are your general goals for onboarding new users, and what are your communication goals there for for users entering Osmosis? Like, what do you want them to see? And uh, like, also you have these nice artworks. Like, maybe you can give a little bit of uh, yeah context on like who, who did them and and so on. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, you know, uh, so the, the, our designer, his name is Kevin. Uh, he's amazing. He's actually the first person we hired at uh, Osmosis. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we knew we wanted to have something fun and like interesting when people come on. And, you know, I think like the, the character, the, the, the guy, when you open up the thing, his name is like the community sort of just deemed his name to be Wasmington off of this, like, I don't know, a tweet that I made once where I, and the people just assigned that name to him. But it's like, it's cool. Cause I think like, you know, if you look at like traditional companies, like companies tend to have like mascots, right? McDonald's has like the Ronald McDonald guy. And like, you know, but why don't we see actually more of this in like decentralized uh, crypto apps, right? Where like, I feel like decentralized protocols should have like mascots and like, you know, interesting branding. And like, you know, we, we want it to be like, hey, when you open something and you see that this very clearly is like an osmosis branding with like the colorful aspect and the, the chemistry and all this kind of stuff. And so, 
Um, that's sort of that's sort of why we like really leaned in a lot into like making sure like we have a certain like design image in the uh, in the entire like Osmosis branding. Yeah, and I almost wonder, is that going to be maybe an NFT series released uh, relating to that artwork as well down the line? Uh, yeah, you know, Kev, Kev, I'd just say Kevin has been definitely been playing around with some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a crowd pleaser. Um, so talking about the stats dashboard, I think this is a really important feature of any ecosystem's DEX. Mother chains have popular DEXs, but seem to have load issues and accuracy issues with their stats dashboards. What advantages... Mm -hmm are you working with that allow you for real fast time data and load efficiency? Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, I honestly, I think the biggest benefit that we have is just uh, the people. So uh, there's a team, so basically we actually have a full, you know, once again, our view of, you know, centralized exchanges offer a, certain, a lot of things. And so, you know, we, we actually have an in, a full in-house data team of like, you know, three people and like, you know, we're just like constantly churning out different APIs uh, to like serve data for like integrations into different things. So, for example, like you know, one of the I uh, I know one of the big things that we we had was like it was really hard like for, for CoinGecko, for example, right? Like it, we, we we you know we spent a lot of time working with the CoinGecko team to make sure that like they're able to consume our APIs and that and serve as a price feed into that. So that way, a new Cosmos chain that's launching just has to integrate into Osmosis, and now you suddenly have a price feed that CoinGecko accepts. And, you know, sort of building out this sort of integration into other things, you know, we're working on like TradingView, for example, uh, we're working on um, integrations into like different dashboards. And then one of the, you know, a lot of the data that we're providing right now is at this very high level, chain level, like data of like, okay, this is how much is in all these pools. Uh, the next big thing that will be coming out is more user-specific dashboards. So, you know, we want the ability for users to be able to like see, okay, here's my LP positions, here's my rewards I've earned, here's the impermanence loss I've uh, had over the last, you know, my staking period and stuff like this. Um, and so, you know, a lot of this comes, yeah. So, you know, our data team has been able to like really execute on this really well. Um, the Cosmos software stack, I think, has, you know, what's nice is that because it's its own software stack, we are able to go in and, like, change how it works in order to improve how easy it is to uh, query data off of it. So, like, an example would be something like, you know, something like the graph, which is actually this, like, separate protocol on Ethereum. We can actually provide a lot of, like, similar indexing style stuff into, the co into like, the core uh, software itself. Um, and so, you know, I will admit that the Cosmos stack actually has a long way to go, especially on this like performance and like node querying stuff. But the, you know, the, as do many most chains. Uh, but you know, the nice thing is that we actually have the you know a, a path to actually like fix that. Cool, that's exciting. And so. Um... Interestingly, like uh, Osmosis is almost about to hit like one billion USD and uh, TVL, like across all the, mm -hmm. the the whole platform. I think it's uh, around nine hundred eighty-six right now million. Um, can you walk mm -hmm. us a little bit through like what what contributed to to the success and like to to the usage and general adoption of Osmosis and also like yeah 
Is there any other things like other DEXs or other mm -hmm. projects could learn from you, for example? Like what are these things that you've done, done right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, I think one of them is it obviously just tapped like a uh, necessary, you know, a latent demand that was being un unanswered, which was there's a lot of Cosmos chains. Um, and, you know, one thing that people maybe don't realize, I, I would actually say Cosmos is probably like maybe the second biggest ecosystem after Ethereum because, you know, people focus too much on like what's going on with like atoms, which is like the native asset. But if you actually look at like, um, you know, if you go onto CoinGecko and look at like the top 200 assets by market cap, Cosmos, there's like, I think at least 10, 15 of them are Cosmos assets. And like, you know, once again, I think this is more evidence that Cosmos is this like rejection of the fact protocol thesis where like, hey, look, all these application chains have been able to accrue like a lot of value within the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and so, but, you know, a lot of these chains had a lot of trouble getting listed on centralized exchanges, right? Because centralized exchanges, um, like, it's not as easy as adding an ERC-20, right? It, you know, they actually have to run a lot more infrastructure, run new nodes, all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, I think there was all, there actually already was all this, like, interesting assets and liquidity that was just, like, looking to find a home in, in Cosmos. And so by, just by being that, like, first AMM, that first DEX that provided that, uh, I think that, that was a big part of it. Um, and then I think the other big thing was, you know, just having a, a lot of, you know, way for users to get involved early with incentives and things like that, where, you know, we actually didn't have any, you know, we never fund, we never raised money for osmosis or anything. Uh, you know, luckily we were able to fund it all uh, using, um, we, we, we had a validator called Sika, And so that, you know, we had some recurring revenue from that. We basically took that revenue and just put it into osmosis development. But because of that, because we had no investors, <coughs> you know, we had no one to please in like our, in our tokenomics. And it's just like, hey, we can actually go and give like all these incentives to like our liquidity providers and have these like, and you know, the initial airdrop, the initial distribution actually happened by an airdrop uh, to atom folders. And that also got people's attention. And so I think, um, you know, Interesting, like tokenomic designs, and like you know, uh, definitely contribute a lot to like the success of the uh, bootstrapping phase of the product project. Yeah, very interesting. The airdrop to atom holders, where you could potentially bring in other users that may not have you know already been knowing or interested in the platform, but they're holding atom, so it's easy for them to understand what you're trying to do. Um, mm -hmm. So, final question here before we lead into some of the community questions, and there are some great community questions to ask. Can you walk us through a bit about the Q1 roadmap for Osmosis? And what are the next big milestones that you want to achieve? Um, yeah, sure. So I think I, I, I think the uh, Osmosis Zone Twitter account tweeted like uh, two days ago about like, you know, I guess sort of the big things coming up on uh, Os Osmosis in the next couple of months. Um, so I think we had five of them that we listed there. One was the superfluid staking, uh, which we already talked about. Um, the other is Ethereum integration. And so what that means is, um, you know, the Cosmos Gravity Bridge, which is like the bridge from Cosmos Chains to Ethereum, uh, just went live recently and um, we'll be integrating that pretty soon. 
the main thing that we want is actually, you know, uh, there's a certain UX that we want where we want it. We're actually making it so that users who come in from Ethereum will be able to continue using their MetaMask wallet with uh, the Osmosis mm -hmm. chain. Um, so this is like something that once again, we're able to do because custom blockchain where we basically added the ability, you know, Cosmos signature formats and stuff are different than what's on Ethereum, but we would, we just went and modified our chain to actually accept Ethereum, uh, signature formats as well. Uh, and so now you can, you know, sign things, sign things using MetaMask. You know, I think eventually, you know, users should probably switch to Kepler to get the best, like full UX. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice like onboarding step where it's like, hey, come over, make your first few transactions using MetaMask, and then switch to Kepler when you're ready. Um, so that's number two. Number three was um, stable swap. So I think that once that Ethereum integration happens, I think one of the biggest, uh, you know, a big market that we want to capture is between is the stable swap between UST and uh, Ethereum stablecoins because you know there is UST on like you know, Curve, for example, but there's only about $30 million of like liquid UST liquidity uh, on that on, over there. Meanwhile, on Osmosis, there's already like, I think 50 to $60 million of UST liquidity. Uh, and that's only on the ball pairs. I think that like having a stable pair between UST and uh, Ethereum stable coins will be a big uh, usage for Osmosis. Osmosis. Um, what was number four? I thought what number four was. Number five was uh, Cosmwasm. So Cosmwasm is basically, it's like the smart contracting platform that was built for the Cosmos SDK. Um, and you know, it's one of the most popular smart contracting systems. Uh, it's what's used in Terra. And so that entire ecosystem is built using the Cosmwasm system. And so the team that actually built Cosmwasm, they're, they're called Confio. Uh, they're actually gonna be working with us to integrate Cosmosm into Osmosis and actually a custom version of Os Cosmosm that um, one integrates very well with like the actual AMM and DEX of Osmosis. And then two, it's actually going to be uh, sort of more permissioned uh, where deployments are not going to be, it's not, you know, so the goal of Osmosis isn't to become a generalized smart contracting chain, uh, but rather, you know, have a permissioned way where like, you know, particular, you know, we don't want random NFT or dog coin or something to be deployed onto osmosis. But like if people are building something that is like very related to and like complementary to the core product. So for example, if people are building a uh, yield aggregator, right, you know, that helps people or liquidity management tooling that helps people manage tool like liquidity across different pools or, you know, um, I know, you know, the, like the leverage kind of stuff that we were talking about. And like, so like this kind of, we want to enable like people to build these sort of complementary protocols on top of Osmosis. Ah, yes, yeah, so the comments are saying LBP 2.0. Uh, yeah, that was it last one. So LBP 2.0 was this, um, you know, we, we currently take, we, LBPs are this like way of, it's like a bootstrapping system that acts as like a price discovery system for like new chains that want to like launch a token. Um, we kind of copied the model from Balser, um, and I think that that model, while it works, I think it leaves a lot, uh, you know, a lot to be desired. Uh, and so we actually sort of um, we're, are working on a, 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 a new model of doing LVPs, and so that should be uh, hopefully landing as well in the next couple of months. Yeah, certainly a lot to be excited for here. I think anyone that 
uh, is interested in the osmosis project is definitely going to be rewarded in the coming quarter, in the coming year. Um, so getting into some of these community questions, we have the first one from Dude Guy, and he wants to know, what is your favorite Cosmos SDK chain outside of osmosis? Am I muted? Okay. Uh, so my favorite Cosmos SDK chain outside of osmosis. Um, that is a great question. Um, hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty. You know, I'm 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 obviously a really big fan of Terra, just because I think that their stablecoin design is like something that's really interesting. That like, you know, we'll see how it works out. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of like what Secret Network is doing because I think like you know providing like that practical privacy. Like you know, I, I I'm not I'm not sure like the SCX is the best form of privacy like possible. I think like, but like you know they have something on the market that's usable and like, and so I think that's like really important and useful. Um, big fan of like a cost network. Cause I think that like, you know, uh, having an on chain, like compute marketplace will be really important, especially if you think DAOs are going to become more important economic actors. So eventually, you know, what we want is the official osmosis front end should be hosted on a cost network and paid for by the osmosis community pool. So I think that, and I think that we're going to see like more and more, hopefully DAOs start to like pay for like web deployments. And so I think that's another use case that I'm pretty excited for. Cool. And we have uh, a thousand sailor asking, is the team working on diversifying revenue generation for the developers besides swap fees? For example, things like gamified achievements, season passes and so on. Um, um, so, yeah, so, you know, I mean, the developers don't really have any, you know, we, we don't have any plans on diversifying revenue for the development team. You know, the development team is a, you know, nonprofit, it's a foundation. Um, and so, you know, I, th I think anything we do will be focused on, like, you know, potentially more new, um, like, models for, like, what the Osmo token can be uh, used for. And so, um, but yeah, you know, things like gamification and things like that, I think it's definitely something, you know, I think we're looking into as well. Very cool. And to wrap it up here, we have Goho with what is the main improvements with LBP 2.0? So LBP, uh, the current version uh, with, from Balancer, how it works is the it uses an AMM pool and it uses the weight change system of uh, balancer style pools. And effectively what it does is it starts the price off really high and then it like decreases the price over a certain amount of time until um, it like, you know, you know. And, and what that does is it like, you know, people can start buying at whatever price they think is right. And you, but over that entire period, it's gonna keep pushing the price down. Um, and hopefully the buy demand should offset that. So, you know, what a couple of issues with it, I guess two of the big ones is one, I think it's very complicated for people to understand. And like, despite however much education that like, you know, the teams try to put put out, um, I just saw that comment. Um, the, uh, I think what ends up happening is people keep like selling at, buying at the very beginning at a, at the at a overly high price and, because they don't understand how the system works. I think another bigger issue as well, though, is that 
the current LBP design, because people can both buy and sell against the pool while it's at that absurdly high price, you, you can't really, you, it's not recommended to do an LBP with a token that has already been distributed. So let's say your chain has already done an airdrop or something, or you've already, you know, have some investors and then you want to do an LBP, you know, you, 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 there's concern that the people who already received the token can actually sell against the pool at the high price. And that's like not really what you want. So the new LBP version that we're doing, um, it's, you know, calling it LBP 2.0 is a bit weird because it's not, it's not even really, you know, based off of the liquidity bootstrapping pool model. It's, it actually takes a lot of inspiration from, um, so Paradigm has this blog post called uh, TWAM, Time Rated Automated Market Maker. And then there's actually this project on Near called Skyward. And it kind of like combines the ideas of these two protocols, uh, of these two things, and allows it to, um, so how it will work is the seller of the token will put up a certain amount of token that they want to sell. Let's say they want to sell 1 million uh, Foo coin. And then there's this buy pool, which let's say it's in UST, for example. Um, and buyers can deposit UST into this buy pool. And what will happen is these two pools will stream at each other over a like certain period, let's say 24 hours. And so the more money that's in the buy pool, if people add more money, it's basically the same amount of, the same rate of FooCoin is being streamed, but at, at more UST is being streamed in the other direction, which means the price goes up. And then if people remove money from the buy pool, the price goes down. And this basically acts as a way for the uh, seller to basically swap a certain amount of tokens uh, for uh, the token that they're buying. And once this happens, then it, you know, they could go ahead and create an LBP with the, a, a normal uh, AMM pool with the proceeds from the sale. But um, I think that basically it's take, it's it's using more of like the it's more like a, a normal auction that people are very familiar familiar with, but it makes it more continuous uh, rather than just like discrete one moment auction, which is like vulnerable to like front running and things like that. Excellent. Thanks for the answer there. And uh, hopefully the comments didn't distract too much. <laughs> in the chat there. Um, so Sonny, it's been great talking with you today. We've, we've gained a lot of insights into the Osmosis ecosystem. Um, can you give us a little bit of information on where people can find more about you and the stuff you're working on? Yeah, sure. Um, so you can you know, find our, our Twitter is uh, at Osmosis Zone. Um, and our, uh, my, my personal Twitter is at sunny a 97. Um, and yeah, you can join our, you know, if you go on our website, uh, osmosis.zone, uh, on the landing page, there should be like links to all the different, uh, social, you know, the discord and telegram and all this kind of stuff where you can sort of learn more. Thanks again, everyone. So this is Sonny Agarwal, co-founder of Osmosis. Again, you can find the website app.osmosis.zone. Check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays on YouTube and Spotify. Also, you can visit uh, stakingrewards.com to learn more about the SR20 product that we recently launched. So 
Please like and subscribe to our channel. Share this video around. And as always, everyone, happy staking and happy New Year's as well.